Hello and welcome to our Truly Scrumptious podcast, where we talk food festivals, festival food, foodie friends and friends of the festival. In each episode, we will chat to some of our many friends, our celebrity chefs and bakers, food producers, festival team and other people involved in the festival world. We'll even hear some backstage gossip. It's a huge world. It's a hard-working one and great fun too, although a tad stressful at times. My name is Lottie Duncan, and I'm a food presenter, writer, and eater. I've been involved in many areas of the food industry for over 40 years. I've owned and run a cookery school and cafe. I've cooked on television a fair bit, hosted stages at many live shows, interviewed more chefs and bakers than I care to remember, and written a best-selling cookbook too. Over the last eight years, I've spent my spring and summers judging for the Great Taste Awards, and for the last ten years, I've been involved in food festivals. And my lovely John? Well, he comes from a background of advertising and filmmaking. I met him when he was my cameraman on a shoot. Lucky chap. He is in charge of all things logistics at the food festivals, from fencing to marquees, infrastructure to loos and power supply to bins. He describes himself as the director of sanitation, but he's much more than that, of course, and to me, he's my anchor. A calming influence when I have my inevitable meltdown exactly ten days before each festival. It's what I do. The food festivals are based in Oxfordshire and Wiltshire. Tame Food Festival is a CIC and was set up to bring people to the town of Tame. In its 14th year now, it's quite a beast and now on the town showground. It is big and well respected and a fun weekend of deliciousness. Bradford Avon Food and Drink Festival is our own festival, our baby. And it's in its fifth year and it sits by the River Avon in the centre of the town. Tame Food Festival is in September and Bradford on Avon Food and Drink Festival is in June. Safe to say, summer is a busy time for us. We love running food festivals, have plans for more, and even though event planning can often be scuppered by weather and people, it is generally fabulous fun when it's up and running with lots of visitors enjoying themselves. Seeing the smiles on their faces really does make it all worthwhile. Today's episode introduces one of my oldest friends, the Dodmeister, Doddy, Dodds or just plain Lizzie. Later on I'll be chatting with Giuseppe Donano and Ed Kimber who are both great British Bake Off winners. But first Doddy. She heads up our green rooms where she hosts and looks after our chefs and bakers and is also the Duchess of Bunting, a prestigious title and one that holds enormous responsibility. Here we are reminiscing and catching up over a glass of wine. So Dodds, Doddy, Dodmeister... Lovely to see you. Lovely to see you. Thanks for coming on this podcast. You're very welcome. It's very excited. I think this is my first podcast. I'm a bit late to the party. <laughs> yeah, but it's great. So um, I've introduced you and I've explained that you are the Duchesse, the Duchesse of Bunting, the Duchess of Bunting, and also the lady who takes care of the green rooms at the festival. Exactly. But you and I have known each other a long time. A few years. Quite a few. I'm a lot younger than you, obviously. Um, not that much younger. <laughs> a little bit. No, not really. Okay. Well, I met you when I was 17 and you were just 19. Very, only a few days 19. Only yeah. a few days I was still 19. 18, really, yeah, in obviously. fact. Yeah, okay, whatever. Um, and we went to Winkfield Place in Windsor together to learn Cordon Bleu cookery. We did. We spent a very happy year there. Well, yeah. I spent a year. You were there for longer. I was a bit longer. I did the, the full diploma. Yes, you did. Um, but no, it was it was a great time. And we met you, we met each other, and um, then have known each other ever since. We've had... A catering company together. We have, yes, called Guzzles. Yeah, and we have also, you've also done a load of home ec um, behind the scenes for me when I've done filming. And now you are, you know, heavily involved with the food festivals. Yes. But I just, let's just talk a little bit about, to start with, the Guzzles, which was our yes. catering company when we were in our early 20s. And yeah, we were quite young, didn't really know what we were doing. No idea what we were doing at all, just decided that's what we were going yeah. to do. Hey ho, why not? <laughs> and, um, we had some fantastic times. We had some amazing times. I mean, how we got away with what we did, I just don't know. Um, we, one of the very, one of the memorable things for me was um, the Tate Gallery. We were asked by a friend of yours to do a buffet lunch for about two hundred people, and we made buckets of sandwiches, which we put back into the plastic <laughs> bread packets. Um, squashed them into a cart, pushed the waitress in on top of the sandwiches, 
with with platters of fruit. Coffee machine went in there. Coffee machine, milk, few tea bags, and away we went. And we arrived at the Tate Gallery with people queuing to go in for the event that we were going to give them their lunch it was for. It's like Del Boy Caterers, wasn't Del it? Del Boy Caterers opened the boot and coffee sponge fingers fell out, as well as the waitress. <laughs> Literally. Literally. In front of, them. In front of everyone. <laughs> But it it looked that the table that we did looked spectacular. Did we do a fruit display? A we did fruit a cascading display. fruit display <laughs> with boxes kind of packed up under the tablecloth. It did look yeah. very good actually, yeah. um, and I think it detracted from the coffee fingers that probably had gravel all over them. But <laughs> the dodgy I digress. But you know, in those days, you didn't actually have to have refrigerated vans. <laughs> no, did you say it was fine? No, it was yeah. abs- It was put, absolutely put fine. Everything in the car. Everything in the Even car. Even on the dashboard. Even on the dashboard, <laughs> all around the feet, foot well. Of the passenger yeah no we oh god i can't believe we did we did, that. We did. and we then did. we did we did that catering do um for that lovely family and they were having a big summer party do you remember and she said to us can you uh do us some bellinis oh yes my, oh, we've been to harry's bar and they're the best thing best drink in the world we said yes no problem we'll get hold of everything yeah and on the day we got there we looked at each other and we said where's the peach nectar for the Le- yes bellini? and so you rushed into tame I did. Budgins, I knew had some. Yes, went to Budgins. Well, not enough though. So what did you get? Um, so I bought. I can still remember looking at the shelves, thinking that's not enough peach nectar. They had like two cartons. Uh, I bought five alive. (laughs) Do they have it nowadays? I don't even. I don't. I haven't seen five alive for years. It was a mix of different. It was a drink, wasn't it? It Wasn't even juice. It It, was. It was a drink. So obviously had lots of sugar in it, but it was a mixture of five. Fruits, yeah, lime, mandarins, that sort of thing. Orange, I think there were citrus fruits. Yeah. There might even have been a bit of peach in there. You never there know. might even have been a bit of peach, but there was enough peach in two c- containers to dilute the five alive <laughs> to get away with it. Yeah, and we got away with it. And I remember the lady of the house came up to me and she was talking to me. And behind her was you, Jenny, I think Louise, whoever else was working with us. And she said, Lottie, I need to talk to you about these um, Bellinis. And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, what about them? She said, <laughs> oh, my God, they're the best I've ever had. Better than Harris Bar. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just looked at her and said, oh, oh, aren't they lovely? It's our special secret recipe. I Could said, you leave it there? No. <laughs> no, no, I had to carry on. Can you just, that little hint of citrus, that little twang of mandarin, can you just taste that? I said, it's very special. And then, meanwhile, you were trying to stuff the Five Alive cartons into a black bin exactly. bag in the back of the exactly. car. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Tame Food Festival. It's the first time, you know, you got involved in the food festival side of things. And what was the first year? Was it the first or second year of the actual event when it was in the town centre still? It was, I think it might have been the second year. Um, it was still quite small. It hadn't sort of reached the heady heights we are now. Um it was a small tent. You were demonstrating. Um, there was a small tent. There I didn't was... even think there was a tent. I think it was just this freestanding weird unit in the middle of a car park. I think it might have had. It might have had a roof. Did it have a roof? I'm pretty sure it was white. I don't remember the roof. Or maybe it. Did. No, it must have had a roof. I don't know. Mm. But it was a freestanding unit. There was no no cooking. There was just a, 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 a hob. Chairs watching. Yeah, there was a hob, um, and there was me out at the back of this tent that I still think was a tent was there uh in the car chopping what you needed for the next um the next dish that you were making so to my audience of back to your 10. audience of 10 um it and it, just to watch it grow over the years uh, you know has just been incredible of course it was in the town center for a few years and then we made the controversial decision to move to the showground yes but the last one that we did in the town was dangerous they you literally couldn't Lift your hand to scratch your head. Um, too many people. It, it, when you were in, especially in the hot food area in the big car park, it was um, it, it was just too dangerous. It, you know, it was just too crowded. It, it and obviously, you couldn't stop people coming. You couldn't limit the numbers. No. So you know, it was a controversial decision. Some people didn't like it, but other people embraced it. And now it is just the most amazing event to be involved in. Yeah, I mean, we moved up to the showground six years ago and now we can grow it. And we've actually got, you know, an income as well because before the food festival couldn't survive in the town because it had no income. It had the storeholders, but that wasn't 
that didn't cover the costs to put it on because no. pe- people don't realize about the infrastructure costs the security the power the waste the stage you know, the staging i mean it, it all costs thousands and thousands so yeah, you need exactly. a gate no exactly and the income from the gates do it so we're really pleased and so now we're up at the showground yes and we have a big tent and we have behind the tent the green room and you are yes. the, the queen the queen of the green room you are the Duchess and, of the Bunting and the Queen of the Green Room. Yes, exactly. That's how I like to style myself now, and yes. We, and we love you because whenever you arrive, you know, we've been there, certainly for Tame, we're there for about four or five days. Um, Setting pre-event, up. Pre-event, yeah. Yes. Bradford on Avon, only one day. But you come along with your frying pan, your camping stove and your bacon. I do, and some buns to put the bacon in and a choice of red or brown sauce (laughs) (laughs) and they saved the day and they saved the day and i cooked those for however many people happen to be up there and the green room where is you know that's where all the chefs hang out yes so you must you must you know you must see lots of people that you love talking to there oh yes i mean we've had most amazing most amazing chefs for it through um and obviously being a chef myself or you know knowing how to cook um I'm still inspired by some of the things that they do. And you taste some of the dishes that they've made when they come out the back. And it's just like, that is amazing. And I'm lucky enough to be able to ask them how they've done something. Of course, possibly one of the highlights was meeting Mary Berry. Oh, Mary. Yes. Uh, yes. So obviously I got my knickers in a slight twist and decided I had to sort of have something to make my green table look spectacular. I decided to make a lemon drizzle cake. Um, I had to stop myself flying to Sicily to buy the lemons <laughs> so I could get the best lemons. Um, I must have tested the recipe quite a few times just to get it perfect. Um, Mary didn't eat any of the cake, sadly, she um, but she did look at it um, and she did comment on it. I can't remember the comment. But I she, think something. She would have been kind. She would. She she would have been kind, even if she thought it had been made by a two-year-old. But we have we have the most amazing chefs coming. Uh, the great the bake a lot of Bake Off chefs, and it's always lovely to see them. And they love coming because they, it's like a little, uh, catch up for them, where they see ones from past years and years after they've done it. And it was funny um, because I was watching <clears> the end of Bake Off this year, twenty twenty two, and they had a picture taken. At Tame Food Festival. They did. Yeah, in the green room. They used it to say they all get together. Yes. And it was Val and Giuseppe and the late, one of the other ladies that was on this year. Yes. And because, uh, of course, Giuseppe was there. Well, Giuseppe yeah. oh, wasn't. Oh, he, he was lovely. Well, they're all lovely. I mean, everybody, yeah. all the chefs that come to it. Um, we have amazing people, help, home economists in the back. Um, the people, the security people come and sit in the green room and have a cup of tea and a chat. And you hear the gossip of what's happening outside. And it's just, there's just such an exciting vibe. We had this lovely lady well, which we designed to Mary to make sure she wasn't mobbed. Yes. And I got into the, got Mary into the gator, which is this little jeepy thing. And um, I was driving along and realised that the poor security lady was trying to keep up. Yeah, jogging. <laughs> Jogging. jogging i was like la 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 come on mary let me show you around the festival and this poor lady was like <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> aside. and in the end mary said come on board so i had all three of them and mary shared the seat with her oh she was adorable and i she drove was all around the festival adorable. so thoughtful and um and everyone was throwing things at her you know please try this you know try this wine have one of her so she had all this sort of whole presence that she'd been given and then she said to me which and she said this to me actually at the time, but she said a couple of weeks later I was at the BBC Good Food Show behind the scenes. Yes. And Mary said, Lottie, that was one of the, is the one of the best first food festivals I've ever been to. Yes. The amount of incredible produce that you have yeah. and choose. Yes. She said it's astounding. And that was just made me feel so happy. But there is, there's the most amazing array of stall holders selling their wonderful, wonderful produce. Um and it's just fantastic to see what's out there and to t- taste things and to buy things. There's something for absolutely everyone. It's so important at food festivals to make sure that you have enough there to keep people there all day. And that's why yes. we always put on these free features so that the festivals subsidise it. People say, why do you have to pay to come into this festival? We say, well... You know, I'll tell you why, because uh, it costs a lot to put on. But also we offer lots of free things within the festival to enjoy live music. Exactly. You know, circus workshops for the kids. Exactly. And other I mean, things. Um, circus workshops demos, are brilliant. You know, and all because that. Because 
the, cir the circus people are there on their stilts to welcome people in. And then the children can go and, you know, ha have a go at juggling or... Hula hooping. Hula hooping or... Unicycling. Unicycling, exactly. And um, again, you know, it, it, it's, 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 an, it's activities for everybody to enjoy. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a, I think we're pretty good at what we do, really. I think we certainly are. I think the end, The last thing to say is that I just love working in the food festivals that you do. Um, you know, every year it, we have a laugh. I learn something. I just enjoy. I just. I just love it. I just enjoy That's being really part nice of the being hear. part of the team. Yeah. Um, and seeing people that I might not. See, I only ever really see at the food festivals. Yeah. Um, and catching up with them, and meeting new chefs. There's always new chefs to meet and always. to be inspired by something that they do because food changes and I might be stuck in the 1980s with some of my ideas and um, it's nice to move forward. I'm really pleased that you love to, to work with us and it will never change and um, you will be there forever. You will be the Duchess of Bunting and the Queen of the Well, I might not be room. when I'm in, in, in with a Zimmer frame. I might not be the Duchess of Bunting anymore. I might have to relinquish that title. But I will be in the green room with a Zimmer frame. Of course you will, darling. And your tenors. Anyway. <laughs> £10 notes, yes. Will there still be £10 notes? <laughs> darling, you know perfectly well I'll be my tenors. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, it's lovely to talk to you. And I will see you very, very soon. Absolutely. Bye. Alongside Dots, there are so many other people we love to work with. My other friend is Jack. She's also heavily involved with the lovely Jane. They spend their weekends looking after all of our storeholders and sponsors, making sure they're happy and content. This is so integral and important to the continued success of the events and we love them to bits for doing it. More on Jack in another episode. We spend a lot of our time booking and organising our guests on the big cookery stage and over the years, because we are so professional and welcoming, we get many who return. We provide a full home ec team in the backstage kitchen who prep all the food and drink for our stage. We also have an expert team who build a manit. And then there is Simon Brown, compare extraordinaire, and more about him in another episode too. At Tame Food Festival last year, I had a lovely chat with one of our fabulous bakers, Giuseppe Danano, who won Great British Bake Off 2021, an absolute darling, and his baking is delicious. So Giuseppe, I am so your um they, they say the word journey i know stephen carter bailey doesn't like the word journey i don't really either but it was just such an exciting series to watch and we wanted you to win right don't tell Jürgen. we really did we really loved you and we've got Jürgen here today as well who's so popular my goodness me he's still having photographs taken on the stage of course he is yeah, yeah. i mean it's, it's impossible not to like him he's <laughs> such a lovely man i was very happy to see him again this morning i haven't seen him in a long long time actually uh, we we live at the opposite ends of the country so it's very difficult for us to meet up close to us actually because we live in southwest right. Bristol aren't you? I'm in Bristol yes yeah. it's a Bristol uh, postcode but in reality I'm closer to Bath actually so oh, it's uh, midway between the two cities oh, okay. it's a really really lovely spot because the two cities are very complementary so depending on what I need on the day I decide to go west or, or east oh, it's perfect. We, we have uh, our other food vessels in Bradford on Avon okay. so it's not too far and we live uh, in Steeple Ashton which is in Wiltshire that's in Wiltshire it's very lovely anyway so um, life has changed enormously for you since you won Bake Off. Big time, yes. absolutely. It's turned this. The show has turned my life upside down. I don't know how long it's going to last, but I'm determined to enjoy every little bit of it while it lasts and ride the wave while it's there. So and this is part of it, actually. So earlier in the year, I quit my job. Uh, I quit my engineering job and moved back to Bristol and I abandoned my ambition to move back to Italy for good, for a good reason, uh, focusing on the book writing. I managed to put together a manuscript in, uh, in six, seven months, which is... Wow, that's yeah, fantastic. Well, it that's was great. a lot of work, yes. yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I'm really glad that I did because it was such a, uh, an excellent uh, and unusual exercise for me. This is such an alien word <laughs> to me, but I'm enjoying every, every little bit of it. It's great, it's really great. Oh, that's
stuff. And what are you cooking today for us? So today I'm cooking one of the recipes that are in the book, by the way. Uh, and it, it's, it's the one of... the book again. Go on. Yep. Mention uh, the book. It's going to be out on the 13th of October for everybody to know. It's on Excellent. pre-order. Excellent. Half price on Amazon. Yep, said that, done that. The publisher will be happy. And what's it called? So the... Oh, uh, are you sitting down for yes. that one? Yes. It's called Giuseppe's Italian Bakes. I know, I know. Giuseppe. Shocking. So Giuseppe's Italian Bakes. Yes, You just say right. that so beautifully. Giuseppe's oh. Italian Giuseppe's Bakes. Italian Bakes. Okay. And it's a collection of uh, timeless classics. And what I'm going to be baking today is exactly one of those. It's called Torta Caprese or Capri Cake. Uh, it's named after the romantic island off the coast of Naples. Uh, and I love it because it's um, apparently it came out of a mistake that the chef uh, and the court of the king of Italy back in the days uh, over a century ago um, made uh, for forgetting to put any flour into his butter uh, but the result is an assumptuously moist almondy chocolatey cake is I'm salivating just by thinking about it. it's very easy to make that's why I like it because I like easy and uh, simple and effective uh, it's um, uh, it's a simple butter uh, it's effectively it doesn't look like a sponge but it's not as dense as um, uh, as a brownie it's just midway between the two uh, and it's very flavoursome. Love it. Lovely. Love it, love it. Oh, it sounds wonderful. And, and you're going to have a huge audience. People are very excited Ooh, about it. Oh, no pressure, no coming. pressure. Oh, you're getting me nervous now. Now, Jürgen, he went on stage playing the trombone. Have you got a clarinet in your bag or anything? <laughs> I'm afraid not. Drum kit? <laughs> Nothing you're going to do. No. Penny whistle? No, no. <laughs> Nothing like that. Just pure, just, 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 just pure, pure baking. Good, wonderful. That's fantastic. Um, and so how, where do you kind of see things developing for you after this? Oh, I wish I knew. That's the thing that I'm, I'm struggling most to adjust to, if I'm honest, because in my old position as an engineer, I had like 20 years horizon ahead of me, and I knew exactly what my career would, lead, would bring me, what I was going to be doing next, uh, what I needed to do to progress. Now my horizon is like six weeks at best <laughs> I have no idea what's going to be happening next and that's what I meant when I, when I said I'm eager to ride the wave as long as it lasts um, if I'm honest I'm sort of miss my old life because uh, I you know um, I was very happy doing what I was doing I, I didn't get into the bake off because I needed a career change I, I did it because I wanted to have fun which I'm having um, but you know I'm, I, if I'm honest I have no idea what the future I think that's the excitement, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And I'm, you know, um, I'm open to everything. Uh, I've been trying to bribe the big dogs at Channel 4 to give me my own TV show, but that hasn't worked. I've offered money, cake, sex, <laughs> nothing worked. Nothing. <laughs> Other than that... I uh, think that will work eventually. <laughs> you just got to keep plugging away, Giuseppe, and then it'll all be fine. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Don't broadcast that. <laughs> Maybe you're just offering sex to the wrong people. <laughs> yeah, but Maybe you need to work a bit higher up the ladder. Yeah, yeah. yeah but that's what. Flirt with me and then finish. I'm flirting with Giuseppe like I flirt with you, darling. But you're my first love, Stephen. Yeah, but you know he, I flirt with him more than you do. We're going to have a wonderful it's very blowy out here. I'm going to say anyone's listening to this that um, this is quite blowy. So I've got my hand around the microphone in the hope that no one can hear the blow of the wind. Because um, it's a bit breezy today. Actually, it is, it? but it's lovely. And We're still warm very lucky. Yeah, as long as it doesn't rain, it's going to be fine. Oh, it's not going to rain. The sun, I always say, shines on the righteous. Yeah, that's what I always say. We are, we're always generally lucky at this festival. Uh, we did have one in 2019, we call it the hurricane year, oh where on the Saturday night it was just awful. And I came back on the Sunday with John and we thought, is it actually going to be a tent standing? It was, Ooh. But we were quite lucky. There was only about two or three casualties, tent casualties, <laughs> um, which we managed to sort. Oh, this is Liz, now Dottie, as we call her, who works. Oh, wow, these are, these are cheesy bites. And actually the guy who does this is called Giuseppe. Would it must like be to, good then. Would you like can to try, try one? Are they good? Let's try. See you later, bye. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm going to keep you because I know you're on stage in a bit, aren't you? Yeah, right. And um, you've got to go and sort out everything. But thank you so much. And I wish you so much luck and love and you know, going forth. And I am going, I'm sorry, I've got a mouth for cheesy, but, <laughs> but I really, you know, I think it goes well for you. And I'm look, look out for your book and I'm going to buy that. Oh, thank you very much. I, love I hope you like it. And uh, yeah, that's that's the ne- next big thing for me get, is getting the feedback from all the people that are eagerly waiting for it. Yeah. I put my heart and soul into it. I'm hoping that it, it does well and people accept it and yeah. they love it. My ambition 
is for that book to become battered and worn out so, so, by the use of the everyday use of people. You want people to own your book and to have stains all over every page. Yes, sticky pages and yeah. everything. That's what yeah, I want. that's what you need. That's my phone ring, but I'm ignoring. Oh, it's they've stopped. But yeah, no, that's what you want. I wrote a cookery book in um, 2006, and. Um, it's it, you know that's exactly what I wanted. My yeah. friend, I just wanted my friends to have it and to love it and hold it and don't, read don't, it every so often. Exactly. Don't make a coffee mm. book out of it. Just keep it in the kitchen and use get it. it greasy and stained and use it and abuse it as much as possible. Oh, that sounds wonderful. I look forward to it. Listen, thank you so much and um, have fun on the stage. I'm going to come and watch you in a moment. Thank you for having me. Yeah. See you soon. See you soon. So sorry about the rubbish sound quality there. We tried to do as much as we could with it, but sadly it was a little windy that day. I know, Giuseppe, please come back next year. You were glorious. Ed Kimber was the first winner of Great British Bake Off, and I've known him for quite a few years now. He has written many books, and his knowledge of baking is astounding. He's also the loveliest of men. I got him into my car at the festival. There was less wind, and it was toasty warm and cosy and perfect for a natter. I'm with Ed. Hello. Ed, my lovely Ed Kimber. God, I've known you a long time. Yeah, probably 12 years. 12 years. Food Network days. It was Food Network days, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Home just... to very, very late parties. <laughs> Where we? Stories we're not allowed to tell. Anyway, so Thank you me. were the first Bake Off winner. Yeah, in the Middle Ages. In the Middle yep. Ages, when the world was black and white. <laughs> yes. The wheel hadn't quite been invented, but, you know, they had invented the oven, so that was a bonus. Yes, they had done that, yeah. And cake tins. Um, but, yeah, you, but that in those days, that's what you travelled in that series, didn't you? Yeah, we did. We um, It was the only season that travelled to different places in the country. And the story I heard was the BBC loved it, but it was too expensive, too technical, just annoying, basically, um, because the second they finished filming each episode these huge lorries would turn up and try and pack the whole tent in. And so they didn't really get much of a break because it took them time to pack it down, get it in, drive it to the next place, set it up. So it was just a, a logistical nightmare, I think. But it did mean we got to go to some, you know, it was quite fun for us, but also incredibly stressful because we didn't know where we were going until like a day before. So you didn't know if you were going to have to fly to Scotland the night before or... You know, so it was a little bit stressful, yeah. but it was and fun. You had enough to be dealing with anyway, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I was talking to another winner of the show yesterday, and we were talking about how different it is, and the fact that when I did it, you would have you'd finish on a Sunday, and then Monday you'd get an email saying next week is about bread. You've got three days to come up with your recipes, and then they're locked. You can't change them. Whereas now, and we did that every week, whereas now you get the recipe requests, I think it's a month in advance before the show starts. So we had this like weirdly intense, stressful, mm. kind of calamitous um, experience. But it was very fun, but it was way more stressful than I think anybody expected for making cake and bread. Yeah. <laughs> Not so. meant to be a stressful environment. No, it's supposed to be all calm and relaxing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, it was it was an experience, but it was um, yeah, it was a very interesting experience. I was talking to Giuseppe yesterday, one mm -hmm. last year, and he was talking about the fact that he's now given up his job and he's embracing it. Oh, he has. Interesting. Yeah, he has, and I think against all advice I always give. <laughs> but you did. I did, you did, but I was in a. I think I was in a unique position in some ways because I was twenty four, I think twenty five, maybe had no responsibilities. At the time I was living at home, was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I took it as a kind of, okay, let's take a, almost a gamble and I'll give myself a year where I just need to pay rent and that's all I need to do. Um, and so I, I did that as a calculated risk. The reason I always say in interviews and to contestants about not quitting a job is the show has been around for a long time now. There is a huge back catalogue of people who've been on the show who have tried and failed to be successful in that world. And it breaks my heart that people quit their jobs they've worked decades for to try and make it in this world, which is really hard and fickle. The example I always give is Andrew, who I can't remember what season he was on. It was a few years after me, and he was, or is, an aerospace engineer. And he didn't win the show. I'm not sure he was a finalist. He might have been. Um, but he was very smart about it. And basically, I think he reduced his hours at his you know, career by a day to start with. And he would use that day to do freelance baking things or events or whatever. And then as time went on, he was able to... I think he now does two days a week freelance and three days a week in his career. 
and you know he's now got a Netflix show that he created and um, he's he does these tours that are all about baking and science and he's incredibly um, successful in that sphere but he did it because he was working really hard to get there and I think the problem when you quit your job is you then have to do so much things you may not necessarily want to do because you've got to earn a living so I always say you know if you're financially secure fine go and do it but don't risk it too much because the guarantee is is not there anymore even winners don't necessarily guarantee a book deal anymore so it's you know it's a trickier situation I always said from day one you can't make tv part of your plan because there's no guarantee it's often not in your hands so you have to create a career for yourself and then tv might come it might not and you have to kind of be fine with that and you're totally you know at the beck and call of a commissioning editor. 100%. That's yeah. why I love podcasting. Mm-hmm. It's because if it's just no one has to tell us what to do. We can produce it how you want. Yep. And that's what's happened with YouTube. It's oh, yeah. changed. And, you know, TV is very different now. You There are, there aren't as many opportunities. When I first started out, there was huge opportunities. You know, every week I was doing something different. I either did Ready, Steady, Cook, or I was doing the open house with Laura Hunniford, and then I was off being asked to go and do something on BBC. Mm-hmm. There is, you know, if you were in that, it was a very small amount of, TV chefs. Yeah, there's also a lot less shows, lot which less is shows, weird. But... Yeah, but you also had a lot more opportunities. Yeah. It was very strange. But I also think it's the I think it's true with a lot of things. Like if you look at magazine work, I um, have written for probably most of the UK food magazines over the years, and their sales have gone down and down. So their budgets have gone down and down. So writing for magazines or newspapers, unless you are basically in it every week, is not a way to make money. So. I know so many writers who have launched their own Patreon or Substack or their own outlet, basically, to control the, not cash flow, but just also the output. Like, I launched a Substack about a week ago um, as of recording, and it was a place just for me to be able to write what I want to write without having to think about what's going to do well on Instagram or what's going to get commissions. It's just a space for me to do what I really like. And I think it's becoming more and more common where people just take their entire creative output into their own hands and they make the money from it themselves rather than going via a middleman of TV film, magazines, whatever just doing it entirely for themselves yeah. No, I think it's absolutely right And but talking about new publications mm-hmm. your book Good segue <laughs> oh, I know, it was slick wasn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> but your book um, Small Bats mm-hmm. Baking um, there's a chocolate cookie recipe in there now, Yes. for years I have never been able to find the squidgy ones I've been wanting to do it, and I've never got the proper recipe, so I'm hoping, and you're small batch mm-hmm. baking, and you're doing them today, aren't yep. you, that these are the cookies that are going to transform my life. Yeah, so the idea was, um, so small batch bakes uh, was kind of, it came out of lockdown a little bit from the fact that when I was baking before, I would give everything out to people, I was sharing with people, and we were seeing people all the time. You know, baking is often about celebration, so it's often about serving lots of people. Um, but I kind of came to the realization that actually a lot of the baking I do on a weekly basis is things just for the two of us or things for my family when they come around or, you know, I've got a couple of friends coming over, so I'll make dessert. It's not for 20 people. It's for, you know, max six, really. So the uh, what I call it's called the emergency cookie because it makes literally just one cookie um, was the first idea for the book. And it's all about the idea that sometimes you've had just the worst day and you want to come home. And all you want is a warm, fresh from the oven chocolate chip cookie. So it is made in the space of probably two, three minutes and is in the oven straight away and takes 15 minutes to bake. So it's like the quickest thing you can make. And it's just so satisfying. And depending on how you make the recipe, you can adjust the texture. So the way it normally comes out it has a really nice crisp um, outside and then it does have a softer, gooier kind of uh, middle. Um, but you can adapt it really easily to kind of give you the texture that you want. But, um, yeah, it's just a really, I think it's a nice way of baking, and it seems to have really caught people's attention, even people who didn't expect to go, oh, I would I would bake in a small batch manner. But actually, I think it fits a lot of our lifestyles really easily. Ed, my darling, I'm so glad you came. Yeah, no, it was lovely. It's been really nice, and you've got to go and do the Yeah, I've got a demo up. in five minutes. No, so. what am I doing? Do some you. baking. It's fine. It's all prepped, so right, don't worry. I want one of those biscuits. There's only one being made, so you'll have to fight for it. <laughs> oh, that sounds brilliant. All right, sweetheart. No worries. I'll see you, soon. Yeah, I'll see you in a bit. See, isn't he lovely? Love, love, love Ed. 
Um, recently, John and I drove to the land of Cornwall, not only to walk the beaches with Winnie, who loves the sea and sand, but also to meet new producers for our festivals. Winnie is the office dog, by the way, festival dog and also a little bit of a princess. She goes everywhere and is often found under the table in the green room at the festivals. Anyway, we also ate in some lovely restaurants too. We feel it's really important to see our producers in situ rather than only seeing them in a 3 by 3 meter gazebo at a festival. So we met up with the gorgeous gin girls, Chloe and Daisy, that are Love Day Distilling. I'm here with um, Chloe and Daisy from lovely Love Day Gin. <laughs> Originally, you were Falmouth. Um, distilling company, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's our that's our trading name, but our our brand is Love Day Gin, and it's gorgeous stuff. And I th I remember because last year John had read about you, and we just tipped up, didn't we? Yes, <laughs> yeah. we did. In, In fact, I think John bought one of our first bottles from our first batch of our first gin. We started a booze company during lockdown <laughs> because we enjoy drinking so much. I think the first <laughs> lockdown I spent um, drinking almost every day, and then the second lockdown. Spent starting a booze company. Yeah. So yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> we we went after lockdown. We went to a pub, and I think this happened around the country. We went to a pub, and I said, "I'll have a double gin and tonic." Came back, and I couldn't taste the gin. <laughs> and I said, just immune. Did you put any gin in there? And he went, "Oh, lockdown measures." I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> We're sitting here in a chilly, not even not too chilly November afternoon. It's getting a bit dark now, isn't it? It's um winter's coming in um and you have lots of events planned yeah we've got a, we've got a big shiny disco ball hanging up in the distillery in celebration a and a full calendar of winter events yeah that's wonderful which so is good. new for us it's, we've we've just turned the this distillery space into um like a yeah an event space we've got a bar now and comfy chairs which is new um and we had a launch event for our new gin a couple of weekends ago and it went really well so we're gonna fill the fill the winter with them which is lovely yeah that's wonderful that's really nice i think we need that we need a bit of joy in our lives don't oh my we gosh, yeah. certainly depths over winter, of winter yeah. yeah depths of winter <laughs> depths of what's going on in the world we just yeah. let's come and drink gin let's just drink gin exactly lots of lovely lovely lots of, <laughs> i haven't even had one lots of lovely lovely gin there you go so let's go back to the beginning we're okay. talking about lockdown how you guys started i just want to know a little bit of your you know, what, what made you... Because you've all known each other for a long time, haven't you? Yeah, so yeah. me and Daisy have been friends since we were babies, which is mad. Um, since we were buns in the oven, actually. We had an arranged friendship because our yeah. parents were friends. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, yeah, so we've known each other for ages. So me and Daisy are chefs. My background's in design as well. And the third lady that we run the distillery with, Ruth, um, is a scientist who's worked for um, big breweries in alcohol production as well. So we finally got our act together over lockdown and made it happen after talking about doing it for quite a while um so daisy is the distiller i do the design and ruth is the seller perfect. so that's how it works yeah yeah and that's it's perfect and we we started two years ago and we've been selling for 18 months and we're all kind of giving up day jobs and it's going quite well touch wood <laughs> well i'm sitting amongst hundreds of bottles of gin you know, we're sitting surrounded by them, aren't we? Lots of different types. Of so tell me about the different gins that you have. Um, so, well, I, I suppose I'll start with the first gin that we produced, which is a Falmouth Dry. Um, so Falmouth Dry took, I think it was, was it 68 recipes um, to develop? To that, yeah. um, it's a savoury coastal gin. Um, so it's got um, fennel, rock samphire and heather. Um, the fennel gives it a really lovely rounding kind of mouthfeel because um, it's quite sort of high in essential oils, which means it's a, a great uh, gin to sip neat. It's also amazing in dirty martinis because the oh salinity, God, yeah. yeah, the salinity from the rock samphire is just incredible. It's a really complex gin. It's really smooth. Um, it's really interesting, quite grown up palate. Um, and then the second gin that we um, produced has been Golden Hour. Um, so that was sort of in November last year. Um, Golden Hour is, it's, Golden Hour was, I, I designed it to be evocative of traditional pink gins. They shouldn't be, in my opinion, they shouldn't be super sweetened. They shouldn't have lots of fruit syrup in, um, like a lot of them have. Um, they should, orig they originally were London dry gins with added Angostura bitters, mm. which gave them the pink colour, made them bittersweet and aromatic. Um, so Golden Hour has got um, grapefruit, which of course is sort of bittersweet, and it's got um, cardamom and pink peppercorn and a little bit of rose. The, the rose is really in the background just for a little sweetness. 
Um, it's 45%, so it's quite strong, but you can still sip it neat. Um, I, I, I love it in an old fashioned over rocks with a you know, dash of Angostura and a little bit of sugar, delicious. Um, and, and it goes lovely kind of blushy pink color when you pour tonic in. And then our most recent creation um, is Kissing Gate, really beautifully named. Um, so Kissing Gate's supposed to evoke, you know, walking along um, a coast path, um, walking through a kissing gate, um, maybe with somebody that you love, picking handfuls of um, things from the hedgerows. Um, <laughs> Chloe's laughing it's at me, but it's so romantic. I know it. Yeah, well, it's so it, we, we have a big snog at the kind of Oh yeah, absolutely. Stuff. Yeah, oh, God, the, they have a big the messages, the stories we've had from people. Absolutely, about it. absolutely. Um, so yeah, so kissing gate is um, it's kind of it's got a gentle floral flavour, but not as you know it. Um, so it's got lovage, which is kind of a sweet herbaceous flavour, which goes really really well with chamomile. Um, Camomile's got that sort of really gentle flavour, and uh, um, gentle flavour of um, floral, um, and then it's got a little bit of gorse, which gives it that sort of like nutty, um, slight coconutty, um, kind of re- really gently in the background. Um, and yeah, the kissing gate um, is actually Chloe's new favourite, isn't it? Yeah, that's definitely my favourite. Yeah, there, there was a lot of pressure because Gold Now has done so well. Um, it won Gold Outstanding at IWSC, and then just won um, cha- the, the Taste of the West um, kind of champion for wine spirits and liqueurs um so quite a tough act to follow but um and it I got, think, a, got a taste a great taste star. yeah and it got a great taste star of course um and um yeah but and i think kissing gates going down really well mm. um some people uh, uh, even prefer it to golden hour so far so yeah super excited about it we have actually got organic rum on the way um, <gasps> oh yeah we, we should absolutely yeah 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 we, we have got organic rum on the way um it's in been about for two years because we haven't got around to selling it yet so yeah it's which is a- tasting absolutely what's gorgeous. that going to be called you've got a name for it yet. it's going to be love day. it's going to be love day yeah um and organic yeah it's certified also, it's organic made from scratch um and resting uh, in oak barrels it's yeah. really really lovely it dark Rum, light it's rum. going to be a kind of darkish gold. Yeah, mm. like yeah, caramelly. It's, it's yeah, gorgeous. Exactly. What are the notes in it? I mean, what do you? Caramel notes, um, kind of banana. There's a bit of like a kind of biscuity um, yeah. note. Um, a it's... bit of smoke from the oak char. Yeah, yeah. Really it's, lovely. It's beautiful, really beautiful. So wow. we're super excited about that. Um, yeah. And then. So am I because I love rum. Yeah. <gasps> we'll send you a bottle when it's ready. Oh, okay. <laughs> we keep um, keep joking rum. about calling it directly rum. Cause yeah, because it's happened people, directly. People keep asking after it, and we keep going. Oh, we haven't quite directly. got there. Haven't yeah, directly, directly, That's directly. Yeah. Cornish, isn't it? Yes. Which, is, which is Cornish for like. In a bit, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> in a point. in a while, if at you, some point. If you ask a Cornish person when something will will happen, they say directly. That could be an hour, a week, a year, yeah. two years in our case. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it should be called directly. I think that's brilliant. See, aren't they the best? And it really is quite delicious. Sadly, Ruth couldn't be there that day. She was busy driving around the country selling the gin. Here we are trying their new kissing gate, and it was delicious. a little break um, and Daisy just went off to get the bottle of Love Day to try. So this is the Kissing Gate, this is the new one. Yes, the new yeah, go on, You do the honours. You do the honours. We have to get this on, a, on record. <laughs> the lovely sound of opening a bottle of Love Day. <laughs> I love that sound. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> That's Would you my favourite sound. <laughs> Would you like to have a sniff? Yes, i have a sniff. What's in the bottle? This one's got the best nose, Ooh, I think, out of all of them. so lovely. Oh, oh, what is it? Floral, it's, mm. it's florally, but there's something. What's in it again? Tell me what's in Love it. There's lovage, which is like ever so slightly kind of celery. Celery, yes. Yeah. Oh God, I'm just going to try some. Um, should I? Do you want some, John? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pouring it just for myself. Are you going to have some? Girls? Yeah, I'll have. Yeah. A, I'll have one. You know, when on a Thursday afternoon. I'm. I'm. I'm all right. You're not having any today because it's a Thursday. Well, maybe when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> I probably do drink the most of the gin out of the three of us, to be honest. So, I, you know, don't worry. I'll drink some in due course. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Oh. I know we're not on our favourites, but it is my favourite. I love that. It's the I would it's kind of it's the sweetest out of the three of them, which isn't why I like it the it best. It is sweet. Think, it is the sweeter one. Yes. But it's it, like the celery, the mm. celery lovage makes it kind of, it cuts Peppery. through it and makes it not kind of sickly sweet mm. or overly floral sweet. It's like, 
kind of grown up sweet almost. Is, I'm Daisy or it's, way well, it's, better. It's, in, it's <laughs> interesting. Because, it's interesting because when you taste a sweet gin, I think um, most people would think it's got sugar in it, but it really hasn't. So the, the orris is very obviously sweet in gin, and it actually hasn't got a massive amount more orris than the others. The sweetness really um, does mainly come from the lovage, actually. Um, which is interesting because yeah. you don't, yeah, I don't, I associate, don't associate it. No, no, I really don't. But then it's like cider apples. Mm. You, you bite one, they're bitter. You you yeah. squeeze it mm. to get the juice and it's so sweet. So different, yeah. So, I mean, there must be something, some mm. chemical change when, with the lovage when you're distilling to yeah, cause yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so interesting. There's a lot of botanicals. There's a, that there's a pepperiness to it as well, which I quite like. There's a ledge of pepper. And you think about the gorse. Yeah, it's yeah. It's nutty. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of, it's a, the Mouth. gorse gives a slightly nutty... Mm kind of green really slight coconutty kind of uh, mm. flavor really really gentle in the background um yeah and the chamomile's interesting the cam- chamomile's got really um delicate kind of um grown-up floral i think and it pairs so well with the the kind of um celery like mm. qualities of the lovage very unusual combination mm. of ingredients you, mm. you're very clever thank you <laughs> I, mean, I mean it's just so clever to come up with those that combination thank you it's incredible yeah i mean chloe and i sit and just talk about food and booze all the time so usually a lot of the kind of um, inspiration comes from chats between us like this basically just yeah. like just rambling yeah how, how about we try this with this thing and then yeah. that, that thing and is it always yeah. gin that you thought about I, I think starting a, if you want to, when you were talking about starting a company. N- no. No, so originally it was going to be um, organic rum, and that's what we set the distillery up to do, which we are going to do, and we have made. Directly. 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 <laughs> um, but, and the, and the gin, the just gin like happily, just... We're happily waylaid yeah. by gin, didn't we? The gin's, the gin's just been so popular um, that we've kind of got happily waylaid by that, and now we're really... But also it kind of felt like, a, like the gin felt like a nice t- thing to start with in the end, because it's less... You know how, like, all of... The, all of the dark spirits have they're quite bound with tradition there's like you know if you're into rum then you you, you have a real expectation same with whiskey whereas gin i think is quite nice especially coming at it from a chef kind of background because it's it's so open to interpretation and experimentation and it felt like a really nice place to start experimenting and and putting our own stamp on mm. something, if that mm. makes sense. Mm. Yeah, no, totally. You've got, you've got more freedom, I think. Yeah, loads, yeah. loads of freedom. Yeah. It's like, there's bare, there's, it's, it's a really kind of open um, spirit, you know. Mm. It's, it's very it's very accessible to people as well. I think if people go out and they buy a premium bottle of gin, the wonderful thing about it is um, they can go out and then buy, anyone can go and buy premium tonic. We all know what to mm. look for. And you, you can taste the character of the gin, so it's worth you spending that money on it. Whereas I think with a lot of other spirits, people will find it a bit more kind of challenging to do justice to an expensive spirit. Um, whereas yeah. with gin, it really is worth it. You can really taste the difference, and and anybody can can have a great gin and tonic at home. Yeah. You don't need yeah, to do anything complicated sure. with it. Yeah, and also it's yeah. it's quick to make, isn't it? Yeah. For you? yeah. So you can you now you can give time to your rum. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter if it is taking a little bit longer mm. to taste better and mature. It's like whiskey. You know, a lot yeah. of whiskey distilleries. You can't rush it. Yeah, you know, they, they make gin as well just to keep the cash flow. Mm. Yeah. To, mm. to actually be able to indulge in, in something yeah, you know, in their exactly. whiskey in the background. So I think mm. it gives you that. This also has an incredibly long finish. Yes, it really does, doesn't this it? This is just going. Yeah. yeah. It's Great. going and going and going. There's a flavour there. I'm really trying to put my no- finger on it and my nose on it and my taste buds on it. <laughs> on the finish. I'm just gonna have to keep drinking it until I find out what it is. But I can't get it. I can't get it. So on the rose. Mm. Rosy on the finish. There's a little florally little bit of rose. I know you probably didn't put rose in this one. No, no, but I can know. Mm. I wonder if that's just a flora from that's one so of the botanicals. Mm. So you don't when you're um judging, you don't you don't do any of the booze judging. No, because right? I I'm so rubbish. <laughs> I wouldn't spit. <laughs> and, and I have to coordinate. And, and I'm typing in all the judges' comments. I'm yeah. the person that does that. Can you imagine my comments? Yeah. It's just lovely. <laughs> it's lovely. My face down in the typewriter. Typewriter. God, that shows my age. <laughs> Computer. Um, yeah, no, so I don't. And I, I mean, I'd love to do the gin judging, but I just be, look, I'm, I'm slurring now. I'm shit faced. I couldn't do it. I can swear it's a podcast. I'm allowed to. But it's, um, I would be. I, yeah, so I, I yeah. don't, you know. But I do know what it, I, knew, I do know when it tastes really good. But I have a very mm. rubbish capacity mm. for alcohol. 
Oh, same. I did some judging for for the World Gen Awards on Zoom, and yeah, I was I was drunk, um, and, and I and I just went completely silent because I was, you know, Zoom calls are quite scary anyway. But when you know you're drunk and they're sort of like world class spirit judges on the Zoom call, you you do think I would better shut up. I think. I'm sorry, I can't hear my sounds gone. Yeah, oh, you're, bre- you're breaking up. You're breaking up. <laughs> It was so sunny and gorgeous though. We were eating great food. We were like we were on our holly bobs. We were hang, yeah. hanging out with Frida's Peanut Butter next door, who are the absolute nicest business in the world. They are so lovely. Um, yeah, we just had a wonderful time. We met Scout and Sage. She's just absolutely gorgeous. Holly. Yeah, yeah, yeah Holly. Gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. It's just a beautiful food festival. Um, and the, um, we had a great not time. Even, not even just saying that. They no. even told us to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really fun. It was great fun, and the weather was lovely. It wasn't too hot. The year yeah. before, we'd been on the hottest weekend of the year, which that was challenging. Mm. So it was a li- nice temperature. Well, listen, thank you so much for letting us um, sit here and drink. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for and, coming. Um, we'll see you in Bradford. January. As yeah, well. Oh, we'll see you in January for the yeah. event. We're going to be back. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. probably have to record that event too. It'll be fun, won't it? Bring the. Uh, bring your muff. Bring the muff. <laughs> <laughs> take a photograph of the muff the muff is sitting on top of the microphone my muff is sitting on top of the microphone <laughs> <laughs> and on that on a, case on a Thursday as well <laughs> on that note <laughs> on that note anyway I'll see you soon thank see you thank you <laughs> well that's it for this episode I really hope you've enjoyed listening and we'd love to hear from you any questions please email info at scrumptious food festivals .co.uk. There is a link to our website in our profile. And check out our festivals on Instagram too. Bradford on Avon Food and Drink Festival and Tame Food Festival. Next time, I'll be introducing you to my boyfriend number two, the gorgeous, cheeky and handsome Stephen Carter Bailey. And it's okay, John is absolutely fine with it. you like listening to our podcast we just love producing it if you think you know someone that would enjoy listening to it too please share and pass on please like and follow us on the platform you listen with we are on instagram truly scrumptious podcast and of course there are our festivals where this podcast stems from bradford on avon food and drink festival and tame food festival website links are on our profile but just google them and you'll find us and buy tickets to visit thanks again for listening